0: Welcome to the Yoga Conversations Podcast. This is your host, Harish Punjabi. We talk with yoga, meditation and wellness practitioners. We explore this mystic space, try to dissect it and make it accessible for everyone. Let's begin with the show. Welcome to the Yoga Conversations Podcast. This is your host, Harish Punjabi. Today, we have a guest with us, Sagar Datta. Sagar's spiritual journey started at a very young age when he was brought up in a spiritual home environment. He was initiated into the practice of Sudarshan Kriya and Sahaj Samadhi meditation by his Gurudev Sri Sri Ravi Shankarji. He organizes workshops for adults and children on how to combat anxiety, optimize performance and enhance concentration. Apart from yoga and meditation, he also organizes travel experiences and adventures in hills, forests, and villages across India. The most special thing is that he looks at life from the lens of experiential learning (laughs) rather than theoretical learning. So, Sagar, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Harish, for that very rather generous introduction that you shared. So,
0: Sagar, I'll start uh, with first... Your experience you had shared with me about your father in spirituality. Did you at that time have any specific questions? It it generally happens that being a child, you might have some questions which is not rational enough to be understood as an adult.
1: Actually, uh, come to think of it, not really. Because for instance, like, ham jaise. Uh, pani so pani se like when we drink water, it quenches our thirst. So it's a natural phenomenon that uh, everybody knows. So similarly, I feel I never found meditation as something alien or foreign to me. It's something that I, because I was growing up, it's something that I felt was a part of the daily routine.
0: That's nice to hear. means uh, everyone might not have a similar experience from childhood. But yes, it seems like you had imbibed this feeling within you. So, given you also conduct travel experiences with kids, did you have any childhood experiences which might have helped you in your career?
1: So, when I started traveling with children, especially out there in nature and adventure, I was initially a little uh, uh, disheartened to see that uh, the children of today are brought up in a very overprotective and overprotective environment. I mean, parents definitely want the best for the children. It's a natural instinct. But uh, when they're brought up in an overprotective environment, and they're not given uh, independence, and freedom and responsibility, uh, I feel they it really, uh, uh, they're missing out on something very crucial. So for example, uh, when I've been traveling with children, we have done certain volunteer projects as well, be it about restoring a library, or going into a village and, you know, helping the villagers with their uh, agricultural fieldwork, etc. That's
0: right. That right. means today's uh, kids haven't experienced whatever we have experienced, let's say, till the 90s. Slowly, slowly, times have changed so much that taking extra care seems like a norm. Means they have many precautions before these accidents could even take place.
1: Absolutely you know, I'll share something very interesting with you. So a couple of years ago, I was engaging with this tree climbing expert and we were actually organizing a tree climbing workshop for children. And he shared with me that there are children who come and ask him that, sir, if I touch this tree, will it hurt me? And I was shocked to hear this. How can it be that, you know, children are not aware that you can touch a tree, you can climb a tree and it's perfectly normal to do it. For children to be able to understand this and have this because it is kinesthetic learning. When they learn, right. they touch the tree, they see if this branch can take my weight or not. So they understand uh, concepts of science through practical experience.
0: That's true. That's true. That is, it's funny that the story which you just mentioned, uh, the kids might have assumed that a tree is like an alien for them.
1: They have never experienced <laughs> it. Absolutely. This is another thing that you mentioned that the pe- uh, people these days have tree-blindedness. So they are oblivious to the fact that when we are walking on the street, even in our uh, cities, that there are trees of different types which are around us.
0: So moving on to my next question. And this is something which I was very keen to ask. How was your first encounter with His Holiness Sri Sri Ravi Shankarji?
1: I feel when I first saw him would be that he is so humble and he's so approachable. And whenever he's talking to you, he's 100% with you, you know? So you may imagine that somebody of that stature who has been doing such a tremendous amount of work to perhaps maybe not pay attention. He even, I observed him that he even is so present even when he's taking off his slippers. So he believes in being 100%. So if he's taking off his slippers, he's 100% in the moment with his slippers. If he's talking to somebody, is 100% in the moment with that person. And that's something that really, really touched me inside. And I feel that if I were to express the happiness, or you know, for instance, if you were if somebody was to express the love, or happiness that they feel towards their spouse or towards their family members, words fall short with their, with their spiritual master, especially that is how it is, because it is said that if your mother loves you, your mother loves you 10 times your father loves you and a spiritual guru loves you 1000 times that your mother loves you.
0: That's true. That's true. These spiritual gurus, they have in a way directly connected with the universe. So it's not like uh, for them, their kin is only important. Their family is only important. For them, everyone okay. is equal. So, uh, Sagar, uh, what made you take up the art of living course? And... How was the entire experience?
1: So uh, in order to sustain and pay my tuition fees, I was giving tuitions. And one of the students whom I was teaching uh, at when I went to uh, when I went to their house. So there I saw a picture of His Holiness Shri Ravi Shankar Ji. And uh, so I, I vaguely knew about him. And I would I was just I continued to give my lectures and take my classes, etc and one thing that i noticed that i found their family was very warm they were very they were very happy i felt these positive vibrations and uh, over a course of time i saw some literature some knowledge books that were kept in front of his photograph and whenever i had free time i would start i started picking up and reading those books so because i feel that like i already mentioned that i had that uh, seed of spirituality in me because of my home environment because of my father so I could naturally just absorb the knowledge that was there in those books, and uh, you are able to see more clearly, you know, the, like, for example, if in a room that it's dirt, dirty, there is cobwebs all around, it becomes difficult to see. So it really literally cleared the mental cobwebs, and I was able to get so much of mental clarity. Step by step, like as I, students I started reading those not that knowledge, I, I some uh, uh, my students' mother just shared about this art filling program that was happening, and I just went ahead and did it.
0: Can you uh, share any specific instance? Like it could be a day during a co during the course, or an hour, or any moment, with, because this would help our listeners consider the course, think about it to uh, get themselves initiated.
1: Sure. So when you're seeking, and your seeking leads you towards your guru, it can be any spiritual master, which may appeal, which may click with you. Uh, it can be a, a Buddhism practice, what, a chanting, whatever it is, which fills up your inner self. You feel a sense of contentment. You feel a sense of inner happiness. You feel a sense of compassion towards other people. You have arrived there. So for me and for a lot of other people, art of living or philosophy of Sri Sri Ravi Shankarji is that life is a celebration. We tend to take life as a struggle that we have to work hard, we have to compete. You know, so it's in the Hindu mythology it's like a ranabhumi, like you know, it's like a battlefield. But that's right. not how he uh, inspires us to lead life. He inspires us to lead life like a rangabhumi that you celebrate life, you celebrate every emotion, you celebrate every relationship, you give your 100%, you are, you are happily doing what you're doing, you're caring for your family, you're doing your work. But when stress happens, when that negativity piles on, it becomes very difficult to do it. When you are getting angry, when you're irritated, it's, it, it, is very, it is very difficult to not get angry. So right. uh, uh, when I did the program, uh, I was able to become more calm. My friends told me that you are smiling more often now. You know, you look happier. And I felt to myself, yes, I feel more happier inside. At times in our life, we have this awareness. We have this understanding that, you know, every year when our birthday comes, we are turning a year older. So we think, okay, I've turned 20, I've turned 30. And when we look around at others, we feel that I am still the same inside. But this person is growing up. There is a part of us which feels that I have not changed at all. I'm still the same.
0: Right. There's no maturity within me till now.
1: There, There is no change. So for instance, in this room that I'm sitting in, there is a tube light. So the tube light is just present there. Now what I choose to do sitting in this room, either I read a book or I do exercise or I shout at somebody or I'm talking to somebody, the light is oblivious to it. The light will not go off if I do something bad. The light will not shine brighter if I do something good. Please understand. That is how in Sanatana Dharma we we talk about the aspect of divinity. The divinity is present everywhere like the light in this room. And it is for us to be aware and under that light what we choose to do.
0: Yes, you did mention uh, some good points about uh, let's say the tube light that I guess everything is subjective to what our past experiences are. And accordingly, then we make our own uh, judgments or perceptions. Um, You mentioned an interesting point about anger during this conversation. So now, let's say uh, you've done uh, your initiation, you've done your practice, you are uh, in your courses now. Do you also have moments of anger even now? And if you do have these moments, what is your uh, first step towards it?
1: For me, uh, if I may draw the comparison, before I came onto the path, I generally may have been you know, irritable or get angry rather more easily and quickly. After I came onto the path, path there, there has been a sense of uh, so much of equanimity and peace and stillness within me. So in a moment of when I'm not aware, I may get angry momentarily, but you see uh, Shishi Ravi Shankarji says that uh, generally our anger is like a, like a line that you draw on a piece of stone. Like for example, you, know, you see lines which are engraved into a piece of stone on a marble, Yeah, okay. which is yeah. like forever there, right? So he says that our anger should move in such a manner that... Rather than being a line on the stone, it should be a line on sand. So, if you draw a line on sand, it won't stay for long. And eventually, it should come to a point where it is like a line drawn on water. So, if you take your finger and draw a line on water, just as you are making that line, it is getting erased. So, when you are aware, when I'm in a space of awareness, I have that awareness, I have that understanding that, okay, this anger is arising. Why is this anger arising? Is it arising because of what the other person said? Is it arising because I have a certain expectation from that person? Is it arising because I ate something which is affecting my inner metabolism So rather than aiming my rather than holding other people responsible for my feelings and emotions, I take responsibility for it and uh, I'm able to deal with that ma- uh, situation in a far more empowered manner. There's a popular notion is that we ought to control certain emotions, but the natural flow of emotions is to flow. And when we allow ourselves to live our life in totality, express all emotions in a healthy manner, that is what leads to a fulfilled life. So even if it comes to anger, you know, for instance, there are times when you supposedly either have to get angry or show anger. Gurudev Shri Ravi Shankar Ji says very, something very beautifully he says, if you wish to get angry, get it, get angry from your throat, not from your heart. So only in your speech, you may express anger.
0: You had mentioned that you had been once to Iskon Temple and had an experience of teaching on gunas.
1: Yeah. So actually that was uh, in my first year of college, randomly. Uh, me and my college friends, we just decided to go to the Iskon temple, which is there in Kailash colony. And I had probably been to the temple earlier, but I never really saw the sound and light show that they have. So now when I went into the sound and light show, and essentially, it is a, a walkthrough of the knowledge that is there in Bhagavad Gita. I, I saw this very crucial thing that really helped me understand that, why do different people behave differently. So in general, I felt that you know, I'm a nature lover, for example. I generally like the peace and calm that comes with nature. I like peaceful music. I believe that you know there should be a sense of harmony between people and people generally should not opt for violence. However, I felt that these are, these are inherently good qualities, but why is it that everybody is not attracted to these qualities? Or why is it that everybody is not expressing these qualities? So when I saw this exhibit on three gunas, which is, so to say, tamo tamogun, and rajogun, So, Tamogun is that that energy which is associated with lethargy, laziness. So, laziness in the body and mind. And Rajogun, Rajas, is associated with that that aspect of energy, which is responsible for activity or so to say restlessness, which is both there in the body and mind. And Satogun or Sattva is that pure energy, which is free from lethargy, which is free from hyperactivity, which has a sense of activity with a sense of harmony in it. So the right balance between both is sattva, where you have, you have calmness, inner peace, and that is what is needed. And depending upon if we are eating stale food, pungent food, yeah, food which is two, three days old, so that kind of food will build in more inertia in us, build in more lethargy in us. And similarly, if we eat food which is too sugary, too spicy, too oily, that will lead to fried food, that will lead to more hyperactivity in our body and mind. That's why, for example, people have a difficulty in being able to focus, being able to concentrate or generally if you see people keep tapping their hands or keep, you know, tapping their feet, etc. That attention span is so low because of all the processed food that people eat these days.
0: That's true. That's true you uh you did get uh, bring up a very good point uh, about satvic food we all have a fair bit of understanding what is satvik food but in the popular commercial sense everyone isn't aware or let's say it isn't that much available if you would go out let's say just to have a meal what do you have to say about that
1: see our are uh, the philosophy of our uh uh, Sanatan Dharma or the eternal way of life is very simple. It's a matter of free will. It's a matter of you make the choice. So if you, ch- if you wish to have a peaceful state of mind, this is what you ought to do. If you wish to have uh, more activity, this is what you to, ought to do. I believe, uh, my teacher taught me this, that t- cooking is a very essential life skill. So wherever you live, if you follow your uh, local traditional uh, food practices, optimizing the quantity of salt, minimizing the quantity of sugar, you are following the satvic diet.
0: I guess then if that is the case, then since the last four months, everyone must be following this diet because everyone is locked down at home.
1: <laughs> but, I, know, I suppose maybe the craving for uh, uh, junk food has probably gone up.
0: I'm not anyway. sure. <laughs> we'll <laughs> have to have a survey on that. So, Sagar used to practice any kind of, let's say, a 10 asana set or a specific kriya. Uh, if you have like a 2-hour or 3-hour flight or if you're traveling via train, do you squeeze in anything in just for those 10 or 15 minutes you might have?
1: So I definitely do my Sudarshan kriya at all times, even when I'm hospitalized. So there was a time when I was down with pneumonia. I was in the hospital, but I did not leave my spiritual practice. And so much so I used to meditate and uh, in a way, I mean, some people may find it airy fairy, but in a way, I would sort of uh, send healing vibrations to the entire hospital that everybody who's in the hospital, may they get a healing vibration or they feel better, you know, and uh, so I do Sura Namaskar and Sudarshan Kriya when I travel.
0: What you might have been doing during your hospital experience might be odd to many people, but yes. The vibes which you show to your fellow patients that is more, I guess, inspiring to them that seeing someone have a case of pneumonia but yet uh, making sure that you follow your practice gives a sense of motivation and inspiration that I should also take some steps to make myself better rather than just taking medicines.
1: Right. See, uh, to relate, to make it more relatable for people. We go meet, go to meet somebody, go for a meeting. And sometimes we meet, meet people that we want to spend more time with them, you know, and then at the time, at other times, we meet people that we want to run away from them, we don't want to talk to that person. There are people with whom you talk and you feel lighter. There are people with whom you share your problems, and you feel that your problems are like a mountain. So Perfect. it is all a game of energy and vibrations, how we choose to transform our energy into more positive, more harmonious is completely our responsibility. So uh, Gurudev Sri Sri says that uh, just like we practice dental hygiene, we brush our teeth every day so that, you know, for various reasons. Similarly, we ought to practice mental hygiene as well through meditation. Because when we practice mental hygiene, it shows. It shows in our environment. You know, if when there is one person who is peaceful, they affect their whole environment. When there is one person who is cranky or grumbling or complaining, it affects the whole team environment. And this is really, really what is affecting the corporate world today. It's really, really what is affecting the family environments today.
0: Um, again, it all ties down to our uh, awareness discussion. So, this is a final question, uh, Sagar. Do you think? The coronavirus is a culmination of our karmas as a species.
1: You see, in nature, everything happens in a sense of harmony and balance. Nature is not in a hurry, yet it is a code. Nature is not in a hurry, yet everything is accomplished. You know? So come summer, you see fresh flowers coming out. Come autumn, you see that leaves leave the tree. You know? So there is a there is a rhythm in nature. But human beings, in our greed and in our ambition to exploit nature, we have caused a lot of damage to our nature, earth, and fellow living beings. So one way or the other, nature restores that balance. If you think about it, in the last couple of years, there has been so much of unrest. There have been civil war. There have been conflicts. There have been riots. There have been so much of calamities, man-made Mainly man-made, I would say. So this is a phase when nature put its foot down and decided enough is enough. I need to take a break. I need to take a reset. And that's what it did.
0: That's true. That's true, Sagar. So, Sagar, we've come to the end of our show. Um, Where could uh, our listeners reach you?
1: So they can uh, find me on Instagram at beingwithsagartatta. They can write to me at sagardatta@outlook.com and I'll be happy to connect. I also have a website sagardatta.com So I am combining travel with wellness. So wellness travel, spiritual retreats is what I am working on. I have been taking yoga retreats and sessions online. And uh, in fact, I have been working very closely with a partner firm known as Sacred Nirvana and we plan wellness retreats
0: That's perfect. That's perfect. Thank you, Sagar, for sharing all the experience and knowledge with us. Once again, thank you for hearing out the episode. All topics with their respective links and our email IDs will be available in the show notes. See you in the next episode.